All right, we are in the home stretch. Ephesians 6. Should be finished in three and a half years. <laughs> we are also out of the frying pan and into the fire. We finished with marriage, and now we're going to hit family life as we get to chapter 6. Paul, remember the whole context of this section of Scripture is that he's been urging us to live a life that is worthy of our position in Christ. We have been made light, so we should live in a way that shines in a dark world. Doing that requires being filled with God's Spirit, and the Spirit-filled life is one of submission to others in all the facets of our life. Paul started dealing with that submission by talking about married life, singling out husbands and wives. And now in chapter 6, Paul is going to address family life, singling out the two groups that exist in a family, the children and the parents. So chapter 6, verse 1, Paul says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. The phrase here, children, there should be a the in front of it. That's how everyone was. Paul would say, now the wives, and then he'd give his teaching on that. Now the husbands, teaching on that. Now he's turning to the children. So he's saying, children, I'm talking to you right now. Now, you might be thinking, well, I'm not a child, so how does this apply to me? Um, We do need to discuss what kind of child Paul has in mind here when he addresses a group of people that he clearly thinks, okay, there's this group, it's who I'm talking to, children. So who are the children? Well, the word here for children doesn't have a specific age in mind. In fact, it can refer to any child without distinction. But clearly, when we group someone as a child or a group of people as children, we understand that even though we have children as parents, they are not children forever. They, at some point, become an adult. So, in many societies, a man left childhood behind when he officially entered the citizenship of his city. Um, This also usually meant that he had taken up being responsible for his own expenses and his own life decisions. Women in ancient society never experienced that kind of freedom, so they were considered to leave childhood behind when they got married. Since Paul is addressing family life here, the context seems to indicate that Paul has the home in mind. And so while the Bible never comes out and says it this way, most believe that this address is for children who are still dependent upon their parents. That makes sense to me, especially in light of the most recent context where Paul had just quoted Genesis 2.24 in Ephesians 5.31 about a man leaving his father and mother and being joined to his wife. So that makes sense to me based on the context. Therefore, we will approach Paul's address to children here as those who are still dependent on their parents in some way. In other words, if you are not financially independent, or if you are still living with your parents, Paul's address here applies to you regardless of your age. Now, that is why it is imperative to avoid the following when you get married. Living with parents, letting parents pay your bills, parents contributing to your monthly budget. If that is still going on, I don't care how old you are, you're not an adult. Because that is how the Scriptures seem to define someone who is no longer a child. If you can't pay your own bills and afford to live independently from your parents, then you're not ready to get married because you're not ready to be an adult yet. People sometimes will come to me and say, you know, when will I know I'm ready to get married? Well, not while you're still sitting at home eating mom's meals. 
Not while you're still letting dad pay for your phone. Because how can you take care of your wife and kids that you're going to have someday if you can't take care of yourself? Now, if you're not there yet as a young person, that's not to beat you up. That's fine. Perhaps you're still in school, you're trying to figure out your career path. There's nothing wrong with that. God doesn't judge a young person because they're trying to find their way or trying to build themselves up to a place where they can function independently. In fact, I strongly encourage young people to stay at home while they're still figuring those things out. I'm very grateful for my parents who let me live there until I got married because they said to me, hey, we can't provide you this and this and this, but we can provide you with a roof over your head and food in your belly. And I'm so grateful because that allowed me to take care of my schooling, allowed me to focus on that, saving up for a ring for my wife someday and and to save up to be able to, to get to a place where I could take care of a bride and eventually a family. So there's nothing wrong with that if you're in that situation. Just don't make the mistake of thinking you're an independent adult and you can do whatever you want if that's your status. Age does not invalidate God's command to you just because you turned 18. You know, well, I'm an adult now. I'm 18. Where does the Bible say that? I know 70-year-old men who still are not adults. Now, a quick note to moms and dads. Mom and dad, this does not give you the right to demand your child live at a certain level before you can bless them moving out. Stop taking care of everything for your 20-something kids. Let them get the 400-square-foot apartment, even if it's not in the best neighborhood. Let them begin to build something of their life. God is their provider. God is their protector. He will care for them. You are not helping them by taking care of everything for them when they're an adult or trying to become one. Your kids will be better off in that situation than being financially beholden to you with a nicer place to live. Encourage them as soon as possible to get off your phone plan, to get off your insurance plan or any other bills you pay. And you know, sometimes that encouragement will mean you have to tell them you're done paying it. And at the end of the month, they will no longer have those plans unless they get their own. Say, Pastor Will, you're a mean dad. No. My job is to unleash my kids as responsible adults on the world, not little boys and little girls who still can't make mature decisions. That's my job, as painful as it might be at times. You think back, if you're a mom and a dad, you understand this. The first day that your kid went off to school or out on the baseball field for the first time, and you watch them go, and you think, they don't, they don't need me right now. Well, that doesn't get easier as they get older. But a healthy relationship with your child, a healthy understanding of your job and your responsibility before God as a steward of that child who does not belong to you but belongs to the Lord, is to recognize I need to equip them to go out and to be a responsible adult, one that doesn't need me all the time. Now, this is especially true for boys. I'm very glad that my mom and dad taught me to be a a gentleman. I'm glad they taught me to work hard. I'm glad they taught me that it was my responsibility to take care of my family. They instilled in me those things into me at a very young age, teaching me what it meant to be a young man. Your job as parents, as I said earlier, is to unleash your boys onto the world as responsible men. It's okay. You're not anywhere near manhood yet, bud. You're good. (laughs) 
you enjoy, you enjoy being a little guy. You're good, man. You're good. He's like, I don't want to grow up. <laughs> Me either, bud. <laughs> if you're still paying, if you're still paying your son's phone bill or this or that bill or whatever bill or, you know, providing them with a place to stay when they can take care of themselves, but they don't want to do it because they want to have money for their video games or for their hobby or whatever, that's not helping them. They'll survive without those things, and they'll learn what it means to be an adult, an adult man. We talked about this earlier, but a man was designed to give his life away, not to sit in front of a TV. If you do that, your boys will remain boys. And eventually they'll marry women and act like boys, which means you didn't do your job. So, what does someone who is dependent upon or is still living in their parents' home need to do? Paul says it very clearly. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. The word obey, it's in imperative, just like wives submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. Children, obey your parents. Children, must obey. Now, the word for obey here is a compound word of one word that means to hear and the other word that means under authority. So, it means to listen to the commands of another, to do what is asked by the person who's in authority. So, if you are living at home or you are financially dependent upon your parents, you must listen to what they ask or tell you to do. Now, do you understand why it's important then if you're married to be financially independent of your parents? Because if you're not, you can't lead your family, men, because now you're beholden to someone else and you're in disobedience to the Lord because you're supposed to be the one leading your family under Christ, not leading your family under your parents under Christ. So that's why this creates a problem and why you should not do that. One of the hardest things my dad ever told me, and I'm so grateful for it, was, son, you can't live with us after you get married. Me and Beverly, we had come home from Bible college, and we had incurred some debt we were unaware of, and it was a large sum of money, and, and I was like, I don't know how we're going to pay that off. I just got a job. We're going to plant a church in a couple weeks after we get married, and like, I don't know how we're going to do this. And so my dad said, well, son, you can stay with us for a bit until you pay off all the debt, and then you can get your own place. And I was like, oh, great, good plan. And then, like, he read the Bible. And he's like, he came to me in tears. He actually came here. There was a Sunday Pastor Gibb was teaching on Ephesians, I think. Or no, he was teaching on Genesis about a man leaving his father and mother. And he came up to me and he said, son, he said, can't stay. Tears in his eyes. I love you, but God's going to provide for you and take care of you. You can't stay here. I was like, I'm getting married in three weeks. I don't have a place to live. God provided God provided, took care of us, and He always has. So, and it set us off on the right place to begin that new journey as a new family unit under the authority of the Lord. So, if you're living at home or you're financially dependent upon your parents, you need to listen to what they ask or tell you to do. Now, it gives the boundaries for that. It says, in the Lord. Obey your parents in the Lord. Jesus is the Lord, so your obedience is required in the realm of your relationship with the Lord. And that conveys a few thoughts. First off, it means that Jesus owns your primary loyalty. So if your parents ask you or tell you to do something unbiblical, you do not need to obey that. 
I have heard preachers teach, well, you have to obey your parents no matter what, even if they tell you to disobey the Lord. No, you do not. Your first loyalty is always to Jesus. If the family is going to go on an excursion together to rob a bank, you say, Mom, Dad, I love to go to SeaWorld with you, but I am not robbing a bank with you because I'm not going to disobey the Lord. Now, note, that does not mean, well, I don't think that's the Lord. You're telling me I need to mow the lawn every week. I only think I need to do it every two weeks, and I prayed about it, and God told me every two weeks is fine. (laughs) No, no, no. Don't do that. The Bible doesn't say, thy lawn must be moweth every two weeks. It says, obey your parents. So, Jesus owns your primary loyalty. Second, it means that your obedience, this is important, your obedience to your parents is based on your love for Christ. Not simply out of family affection, which you probably have, or even a sense of duty, which you may feel. It's not even because your parents deserve it. It's because you love Jesus. I'm in Christ. I love my Savior and I want to do what He says. Now that does mean, therefore, that this command applies even if you have parents who are not believers. It applies whether you want to obey your parents or not. You're to obey them out of loyalty and love for Jesus because He's the one who tells you to do this. Jesus in John 14, 15, He bluntly told the disciples, if you love me, keep my commandments. In John 15, 14, he said, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. And that's who you are if you're a Christian. You're you're the Lord's friend. You love Him. And so you, you want to keep His commandments. And so if you are living at home right now or you are financially dependent upon your parents, I ask you, is this how you approach your parents' wishes or their rules? Do you approach it with the heart that, Lord, I love you, and so I want to obey you. Are you being an obedient child? Or are you convincing yourself you don't have to abide by these things? Worthy family life means being an obedient child. Now, why? Why do children have to obey their parents? Well, Paul explains at the end of verse 1, for this is right. For this is right. Children must obey their parents because It's God's standard. That's what the word right means. It means righteous, proper, in accordance with God's standards. Well, what is God's standard? Well, He tells us at the beginning of verse 2, the fifth commandment, honor thy father and mother. Honor thy father and mother. Now, Paul is quoting here from Deuteronomy 5.16, not Exodus. Deuteronomy 5.16 has more to say than that. It says, honor thy father and thy mother as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be prolonged and that it may go well with you in the land which the Lord your God gives to you. So Paul is just quoting the first part of the commandment here. He says, you need to do this because it's God's standard. And why is it God's standard? Well, we know that from the fifth commandment, which is honor your father and your mother. What does it mean to honor your father and your mother? Well, the word honor means you must attribute high status to them. You need to place a high value upon them. You need to show respect towards them. In other words, the fifth commandment is much broader than Paul's command in verse 1 to obey your parents. This, therefore, applies to more than those who qualify as children. It applies to everyone whose parents are still living, and, and I guess even in a sense after they're gone, to attribute high status or place a high value upon them. 
Now, I realize many of you are not blessed with my parents, who I, I have, have, have great parents. They've always been supportive of me. I, I have very rarely ever had question. Even, you know, when you're little, you think they don't love me. But I, I mean, even those times were rare. I generally felt always loved and supported. But I talked about this on Mother's Day and Father's Day. Even if your parents were awful, they still contributed life to you. So there is always something to value. There is always something to be thankful for. Now, honor is different than obedience. I can respect someone without doing what they say. I can place a high value on a person without obeying them. When I first got married, I was the oldest of seven. I'm the oldest of seven, and so I was the first one to have a spouse. So it was new territory for my mom and dad. They were always supportive, never butt into our affairs and stuff. But my dad would call me every once in a while. Son, have you taken care of this yet? Son, I'm concerned about this because he loves me and he, he, knows, he knows I'm a knucklehead. I'm a, I was a young man, didn't know what I was doing a lot of times. And rather than get annoyed, the proper response, you know, I, I would say, Dad, thank you for a reminder or thank you for sharing your concern about that. Me and Beverly will pray about that and we'll, we'll decide. That's how you do that. You honor them, place high value on what they have to say, place high value upon them and their involvement in your life. But you don't have to agree with them. I even tell my kids that now sometimes, especially if I can tell on their face they don't like what I'm saying. And I'll say, listen, you don't have to agree with me, but you do have to obey me. There may come a day when you are financially independent or you're married and you go, I'm not doing it that way. I totally disagree with how my mom and dad did that. That's fine. You can have that opinion, but you still have to listen. You still have to do what we say while you're here. You still have to have a right attitude about it while you're here. And you see, the reason someone who is living with or financially dependent upon their parents must obey is because, well, that's how you honor them when that's your status. That's how you obey God's standard when you're in the home. And so this is where the mindset needs to change. Remember way back in Ephesians 4, eons ago, when Paul said, listen, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, putting off the old man and putting on the new man, right? And everything we covered, whether it was how we talk, how we think, our anger, our purity, we were talking about, hey, this is how we used to think. We need to put that off. We need to let God change our thinking through the word. And then we need to put on a whole new way of approaching life. Well, this is, applies here too when it comes to relating to our parents. This is where the mindset needs to change if you're living at home or you're still financially dependent upon your parents. It's not about liking the rules. It's not even about agreeing with them. It's about being obedient to the Lord. I need to put off an unbeliever mindset which says, well, I don't agree with what they say, or I don't like those rules, so I'm not going to listen. That's how the world does things. Right now, we tend to value the opinions of four-year-olds more strongly than we do of adults. I'm not saying that just because you're old, it makes you wise. There's great danger in valuing the fact that, well, someone's young, they must be wise. They've got new, fresh ideas. Yeah, 75% of them don't work. Just like when I was that age and 75% of the decisions I made didn't work because I was finding my way. That's why there's wisdom in many counselors and why youthful lusts are called foolish. We need to put on a worthy mindset, a new way of viewing my parents, the view that I'm going to listen because I know that's what pleases the Lord. 
I remember when this truth hit me. I must have been 18 or 19 years old. And, you know, you're in that moment where you're becoming a, a man. You're becoming an adult. And, you know, you have a lot more independent thought about things. You're, you are making more decisions independently in your life. But I remember the, the Lord hit me when I was button heads with my dad about stuff. The Lord's like, Will, I'm not pleased. But Lord, I don't agree with them. I'm not pleased. Because whether you agree with them or not, you're not honoring them. And when that hit me that I was displeasing the Lord, no matter how strongly I felt about something, no matter how strongly I disagreed, even though how I felt like I had good moral biblical reason for disagreeing, that I was not pleasing the Lord. It was crazy how when I did a 180 there and I repented and, and I started to say, you know what? You bet, Dad. You know what? You're right. I, I need to be obedient to that. I need to be submitted to that while I'm here. I'm not going to give you a hard time about that anymore. It was amazing. Prior to that point, it felt like I was like running into a hurricane. But the moment I made that choice, it was like the Lord started opening doors. When I see my obedience to my parents as obeying the Lord, I stop asserting my own way and I embrace a mindset of submission instead of a mindset of self. And that's a mindset that you will need to shed if you want to shine for Jesus now and when you become an independent adult. Now, this is not the only reason we need to obey our parents. We also, if you're a child, need to obey your parents because obeying this command brings a special blessing. Look at the end of verse 2. It says, honor your father and mother, which is the first command with promise. And then he quotes it, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. There are quite a few of God's commands that contain a special promise if we obey them, but this is the first one in the Scripture that does so. And so here Paul quotes now the rest of the fifth commandment, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. So this promise from God, if children obey their parents and actually honor your father, if you honor your father and mother, it has two parts. Part one, that it may be well with you. Now, this is in the mood of possibility, that it might be well with you. In other words, that means there's a possibility that things might not be well with us if we're not obedient. Now, when we think of that it might be well with you, you think that life would be good. Well means good, right? No. The word well here is a really unique word. It means events that measure up to their intended purpose. We had an intended purpose this morning. We had an intended plan. If all of a sudden a circus showed up and they were doing their thing, that would be counter to the intended purpose of why we gathered today. We would not have accomplished our intended purpose. Well, God has an intended purpose for each of us, different plan for each of us. And a major factor on whether we experience all God intends to do in our lives is whether or not we honor our parents. A major factor. This is why the enemy seeks to drive a wedge between children and parents. It's why it can be one of the most problematic parts of family life. Because the enemy strives to exalt self in the life of a young person to the point that self rules all. Because if he can get a person to reject the life of submission, he can get them to reject God's plan for their life. And so I cannot, cannot, cannot stress enough that if this Scripture applies to you, if you are financially dependent upon your parents or if you are living with them, I cannot stress enough to you that this, if this Scripture applies to you, 
Do not miss out on all God has for your entire life because you choose the path of gratifying self now. That is a foolish exchange. It is not worth it. It will leave you, even if you get what you want, it will leave you in a lesser position because it won't be what God wants for you. Conversely, I have seen this promise work. I have watched teens and college kids and young adults honor their parents, and then I've watched as piece after piece after piece of their life falls into place. In contrast, I have watched young people fight and fight and fight for what they want and end up spinning their wheels. They might even get what they want, but life is still going nowhere. Now, note, I did not say that I see this promise work because, well, everything is happy and wonderful and there's no problems for someone who honors their father and mother. No. God's plan for the missionary Jim Elliot's life was to die at the age of 29 so that the gospel could be furthered in the jungle regions of Ecuador. God's plan was to use the life and very young death of Jim Elliot to impact young men like me to go into the ministry. And I guarantee you that Jim Elliot lived those 29 years full to the plan God had for his life. Because in studying him, I found him to be a man of submission. God wants you to experience all that he has for you, whether that's for 29 years or 129 years. You don't want to cut that short just because you want what you want, what you want now. This is an awesome promise. Who would fight against that? Well, we do so when we don't believe that God's best for us is good or we don't believe that God is good. And so I ask you this morning, do you believe that God is good? Do you believe he has a good plan for your life? And do you believe that honoring your parents is worth it? Because that's what it comes down to. Loving him and believing what he says. Do you believe what he says? Do you believe he's good? Well, I know he's good. And I can testify to you, it is worth it. Part two of this promise is he also says that you may live long on the earth. This is hard to translate into English. It literally reads that a long-lived you might exist on the earth. Long-lived is not the verb here. The exist is the verb, which is the main point, that you might exist as a long-lived you. God does not promise long life to those who honor their parents. He promises that you will live the full life that he planned for you. And what a beautiful promise that is as well. The longer I'm alive, the more I long for the blessings of heaven, not to wake up with pain or discomfort or to read about some other nonsense that's going on in our world, not to see pain in those I love and loss in those I love. But even though those things are true, life here is not horrible. I love my wife, I love my kids, I love my friends, I love my church. And so if God's plan for me is to be here for many more years, then I want to live it to the fullest. I don't want to short circuit my life because I refuse to be a man of submission. And so God promises here that we can live out the life that he has for us to the fullest. 
Conversely, this means that it is possible for a person to die prematurely before experiencing the full life God plans for them. We see this in the book of Acts. In Acts 27, remember when Paul's on the boat and they're in the sea and things are bad, they're in the middle of a hurricane, and Paul's fasting and praying, and then he comes out from the hold in the boat, and he says, listen, don't worry, everybody. I've sought the Lord, and the Lord appeared to me, and he stood beside me, and he spoke to me and said, Paul, the ship's going to be wrecked. All the possessions on the ship will be gone, lost, but no one will die. So don't worry. Hang in there and trust the Lord. Well, a couple sailors get into their heads to go, eh, I don't know about this trust in the Lord bit. And they decide to get into a longboat. They start unhitching a longboat because they're going to leave and try to make it on their own. And Paul goes to the captain. He goes, anybody that get, leaves the ship is a dead man. But wait a second, Paul. I thought you said God's will is for everybody to survive. Which is it here? Did God change his mind? No, God didn't change his mind. But if we walk outside the umbrella that God has cast over us, we take our life into our own hands. And that's the point he's making here. God's promise existed here. If you're going to go outside that promise, there is no promise. My attitude toward my parents has great influence on whether I live the full life God planned for me. Don't you want to live a full life? I know I do. Don't you want to experience all that God planned for your life? Well then, honor your parents. And if you're still in the home or financially dependent upon your parents, obey them. God will bless you for it. Amen? Thinking about it, Pastor Will. Well, before we take the Lord's Supper, let me give you something else to think about. Our perfect example of obeying one's parents is our Savior, Jesus. Jesus was born into our world, and imagine being the dad or the mom of the Messiah, God in the flesh. Like, you're never going to know more than your kid you're never going to be even more righteous than your kid. In fact, your kid is never going to mess up. He did cry. I don't care what it way in the major said, but he did not sin. He did not fail. He never disobeyed. Not an easy task. And if anyone ever had the right to say, I don't need my parents' influence, it was Jesus. When we find him at the age of 12, right on the cusp of becoming a man in that society, he's at the temple and for the the feast, and he stays behind when the whole group leaves, the caravan that they travel with left, and they don't know he's there because the kids tended to hang out with the kids and the adults with the adults. They don't find out until they camp for the night. And so they come back, and, you know, and I don't know if it's Mary or Joseph, I don't know if it's both, and they said, you know, yeah, this worried sick, son, what are you doing? And he says, didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? I mean, can you imagine being a parent that will never hear from God as well as your kid? That's rough. But that was always true with Jesus. They didn't know that. They weren't hearing from God correctly. Jesus was right where he's supposed to be. The fault was with them, not with the Lord. And yet, Luke chapter 2, verse 51 says, he went home with them and became subject unto them. He willingly placed himself under their authority. So if the sinless son of God, the creator of his parents, 
could submit to his parents, what's my excuse? Could honor his father and mother, what's my excuse? And then in addition to that, Jesus also obeyed his heavenly father by going to the cross for us. Hebrews chapter 5 says something that fascinates me. It says in verse 7 that in the days of his flesh when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, he was heard because of his godly fear. We know what is being referenced here when Jesus was in the garden pouring out his heart. Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass. The cup that we're about to take, let this cup pass. His father heard him. His father knew that he had no intention of disobeying. And we know that as well because Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. It says in Hebrews 5.8, though he were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. If Jesus could see the value of learning obedience when, to be frank, I can't see how he would need to learn obedience, then surely if you're living with your parents right now or you're financially dependent upon them, you can find value in learning to be obedient as well. And being made perfect, mature, become an adult is what that word means. That's what Jesus is coming to adulthood moment in a sense. It says he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. What a great topic to think on as we celebrate the Lord's Supper and remember his sacrifice for us. The Lord, we are your kids. We want to be obedient to you. And for some of us, that might mean reflecting on honoring our father and mother better. Some of us, it might mean because you're living in the home or you're financially dependent reflecting on where you're not being obedient or where you need to change your attitude. Because as we remember the sinless Son of God who didn't have to die for us, but He loved us so much that He came and took on a body and lived for us and then died for us, surely anything He would ask us to do, He's worthy of our obedience. Amen? Amen. Lord, we give you this time now to reflect and remember what you did for us. Not just on the cross, Lord, but everything that led up to it, the great love that brought you from heaven's throne to our world, brought you into a human body that was then broken for us. Lord, we give ourselves to you in return even as you gave yourselves to us, even as you're the example of someone who honored his father and mother, who honored the heavenly father and obeyed him. Lord, we choose to honor our earthly parents as well because we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.